Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, which is an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, the Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, the Director of Music Ministries. Together, we will discuss how to plan worship using the Common Lectionary while creating worship series that are engaging, relevant, and adaptable for your church setting. Today's episode is going to be a conversation on the topic of planning worship for the Advent season. Now, for some of you, this Advent, you may be worshiping in person. For others, you may be totally online, while others of you may be doing a combination. You may not even know at this time in late September how you'll be worshiping in December. Nonetheless, we will be worshiping starting a whole new year in the Christian cycle, and that begins with Advent. Now, most of you know that this season spans across a four-week period, and what we understand uh, about the Advent season is really wrapped up in various images that come out of the scripture readings for this season. For example, mountains and hills and nations and paths and scales and justice and light. Other images include angels and Noah and the ark and the flood. All of these point us toward the season of Christmas. The colors for the season of Advent are purple or blue. So why don't we talk a little bit about the liturgical actions that we find in this season of Advent, which is also considered a time of waiting, a a time of anticipation. One of the most beautiful symbols during this season is the wreath. I love the, the Advent wreath that we have in our churches because it teaches us about waiting, as you mentioned, in this season. Each week, you know, you have a family or a child light one of the candles, and each week that candlelight grows as you go from one candle to two candles to three candles to four candles. I remember one year at our church that um, we asked a family to light the wreath, and it was early in Advent, and they lit all the candles, (laughs) including the Christ candle in the middle, and I was like, oh, no, but it just shows that anticipation that we all have. And we're so excited about Christmas coming. And um, of course, no one else really took notice of it except me. But uh, the Advent wreath is such a lovely symbol for us. And it teaches us, again, how to wait and how to anticipate um, and for what's coming ahead. Another one of my favorites is the chrismon tree. And um, it... We use it at our church to teach the children and families about the symbols, um, the Christ symbols or the monograms, um, the lamb and the cross, um, the Cairo, 
um, so many different beautiful symbols that we decorate the Christmas tree. And it's just like decorating the tree at home, except um, the family that's decorating the Christmas Prismon tree at church is the church family. So the thing to remember about these symbols uh, is that they actually represent Christ. The symbols are usually made out of gold and the colors white and gold. Mm. White representing majesty and the gold representing purity. And those symbols really are taken out of biblical stories as well as the history of the church itself. And like you said, Diana, uh, they are comprised of things like the house, which is mm-hmm. a representation of shelter or protection for the family. Uh, even the bird is, is a part of the Christmas tree, uh, representing joy. And then there's the heart, representing love in the, mm. the home. And interesting symbol for me for, uh, on the Christmas tree is the acorn. And it took me the longest to really figure out how that really figured into this, this symbolic um, uh, part of the, the season itself. But I finally uh, figured out that it's actually taken from the sacredness of the oak tree. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so, um, and of course, you know, the angel, which is uh, representing God's guidance. Uh, there, did you all do a, a Christmas tree before the, um, the Thanksgiving season or after? Was that a part of hanging up the green? Or? Yeah, usually after. Uh, some churches didn't have a tradition of hanging of the greens. It was done by a committee. And so you come in that first Sunday and everything is up. Others make it a practice, a liturgical action that happens outside sometimes of a worship service. Right. right. Or creates its own worship service on, during the week or whatever. Um, and, and so it kind of depends on the tr- local traditions. I don't know that there's a right and a wrong way about right. it. It's all about leaning in to yeah. possibilities that are there. This season is just rich in symbols, isn't it? Um, They're everywhere. Some theme ideas. And, and when we think about those symbols, the, uh, the symbols actually extract from the experience of the season itself, along with the scripture understanding of Advent, the reign and the return of Christ. And again, the peace and the preparation and the waiting uh, of the coming of the Lord. Uh, so, so these liturgical actions are, are very important to the beginning of this season and we move through uh, the entire season, understanding that we are waiting. We are in anticipation of Christ's coming. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the storytelling. I mean, that's what I love about the Advent season is that it's, it's starting the, the story at at the beginning, you know, of, of the Christian mm-hmm. church. Um, and, and yet, and it even goes beyond that. If you think about the, the prophets and the, those readings that we weave into our Advent um, lectionary. And so um, it's, it's just profound storytelling with so many gorgeous symbols. Mm-hmm. And I think as we teach that and to our children and our youth, and then they are able to, um, fully realize the richness of this season. Absolutely, yes. And the, the symbols also point to the present reality as well as to the future reality. When Cynthia described the chrismons as representing Christ, 
Christ is here. We have Christ. We, you know, we can't pretend that he's not here as we count down these days. But we are also longing for a more full relationship, a more full experience of that Christ. And so we're leaning into that. And so Advent is a is a back and forth, a multi-level kind of experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We sometimes forget that at the beginning of Advent, we get frustrated because we've got to read Isaiah, as, as you're saying, Diane. Yeah. We've got to read the prophets when we want to read about Mary, we want to yeah. read about Joseph and the angels and all that. But we yeah. hold that off because we're longing for more than just a repeat of what has happened. We're longing for the fulfillment that comes. Right. Yeah. Isaiah's, Isaiah's image it's not complete on Christmas, but it is taste, teased to us, tasted on Christmas, and we sort of lean into that a little bit. Um, so I suppose that uh, what we would really encourage uh, churches to do and those who are participating in the preparation for the season itself is to not forget uh, that the the various colors and the actions and the symbols, et cetera, are also opportunities for teaching, not only teaching the children, but teaching the adults. And we really want to encourage worship leaders, worship committees uh, to include, involve lay persons who are not necessarily on the committee, but make it an experience for the entire church. Yeah. And it's a good time to have uh, good Advent studies that also, you know, um, go side by side with the lectionary readings or whatever worship series might be going on at the same time. It seems that, as you were saying, I love that image, uh, Derek, of leaning in. And it does seem that Advent, like Lent, are times we do lean into our um, faith and lean into our um the studies and the curriculum that are available to us, I, I just see a more a more of an openness from folks that want to know more about the story. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's some of the excitement that you're talking about that even the children pick up on. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's light all the candles around the wreath. Let's not wait for, <laughs> for this to happen. Right. Sometimes I think the word waiting for Advent is actually misleading. Waiting sounds like we don't have it yet. Anticipation is longing for more, wanting it uh, to be completed. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I certainly agree, Cynthia, that, that the whole church should be involved in planning worship and acting out worship, uh, mm-hmm. not just a worship team. Involve as many people as you can, but I would want to take it even a step further, particularly this year. Mm-hmm. I think this is a community-wide event. Amen. I, I've begun to hear from some pastors who are looking ahead and thinking about Advent, and they're saying, oh, with all that's going on, maybe Advent should be a little lower key this year. No. I think, I think it's the exact opposite. <laughs> it should be bigger and louder, and it should leak out of the church into the community around. Mm-hmm. So as we think about the symbols on the inside, our Advent wreath and our hanging of the green, let's look outside, too. What could we place outside the church building. If we have a church tower, for example, set up four spotlights and light one each week so the light increases. Mm-hmm. Or, or find someone in the church community who's a woodworker and have them cut some big plywood candles out and set one up the first week and two up the next week and just let the whole world know that something is happening here. If Advent's about completion, about mm-hmm. fullness, about hope, 
if there's one thing this world needs right now, it is hope, the sense that there are some people who have confidence in the future. We are so torn up, so afraid of what's going to happen. And I realize Advent will be after the election, and so we'll either be relieved or sad or whatever will be, but the world will still need hope. Oh, I so agree, Derek. I so agree. And I I was thinking about maybe the juxtaposition of the waiting and the anticipation, uh, because like you said, the the world it really is uh, the world understanding itself uh, as a community that belongs to God, right? So maybe if um, maybe if that idea of of waiting were seen as um, what people do in restaurants with aprons and uh, with napkins and preparing uh, mm. a table. Maybe if if we understood that time of not just being still, but a time that we are actually doing. Uh, waiters in restaurants don't sit still. They are constantly moving, and they're doing and they're doing for others. So maybe maybe the church ought to see itself as a a vessel of service in, into the world. And, and that may be one of the ways that we do a good job of intentional discipleship. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that might well, be. How, how do we bring the Advent hope to the whole community? Yeah, exactly. Not just to those who come in, right. uh, whether online or in person, but yeah. how do we carry it out? How do we carry that hope out? That's right. That's right. I love I that. that. I I love that you're talking about how we, because we we have spent so much time um, expecting people to come into our churches, and we'll offer them a great, great experience, but they have to come into the church first. Yeah, and and you're totally making us think about how do we share the, that symbol of hope outside yeah. of us. And I love your idea of of the spotlights and. Um, it makes me think of the searchlights that you see outside yeah. of restaurants. Sometimes, what if we had four of those and each week added to it? Oh my gosh! <laughs> It'd be oh, so powerful awesome. lights, purple or blue lights, swing, swinging around. I think that's the answer. Oh, that's great! I love that. I love that. I think, I think the other thing we've got to reclaim is caroling. Yeah. So yeah. We've kind of moved away from that, at least in in my experience. Um, but today, when you can't really sing inside because of some of the COVID concerns, what if we sang outside? And we, we went around into our communities and sang some of these hymns that tell the story, as you're saying, Diana, that, that remind us of this mm-hmm. excitement and enthusiasm. And you get a bunch of kids and adults together, it's going to be contagious in that sense, not in the virus sense, but in the enthusiasm <laughs> sense as we go around. Yeah. yeah. Or, or get your neighborhood to have the carolers be the stationary ones and let and ask uh, people to drive through with their windows down mm-hmm. and listen to the different strains coming from each, you know, each house or every couple of houses. I think that would be really fabulous. I agree. I've been talking with some pastors about Advent planning in different parts of the country and many of them are beginning to think about drive-through Christmas Eve or drive-through Advent services, uh, sort of like the walk to Bethlehem or the journey to Bethlehem story, but maybe have them drive through, but, but also do that at the beginning of Advent and, and have some things available for people to say, oh, we're looking forward to anticipating. We're, we're starting this journey together, but we're doing it out of a, a sense of hope 
and and passion and excitement about what's coming rather than fear. Indeed. We're so surrounded by fear of what's coming or might come. Uh, it's time for us, the church, to, to claim with some confidence that God's got this. I, I told them we created our worship series that's up on the website. It's called Companies Coming. And I, I love that idea of, of the hospitality, both yeah. the Christ who comes, but also the community that comes. And, and our job is to welcome and to mm. include and to grow. But I said, if I was redoing it now, the title I would give, I think, to the series would be God's Got This. God's Got This. God's, <laughs> God's in control. And that part of what we're looking forward to is the fact that, that God's going to reveal you know, the kingdom in whatever ways it may leak out of us and, and others around us. And, You're preaching. And, You're preaching. I know. I'm sorry. I got carried away with that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can break into song every now and then. I can That's break right. Into- That's it. You're, That's entitled. It. You're entitled. You're entitled. Friends, what is it that, what, what do you hear us saying? The point is that we can be creative around birthday parties happening in spite of COVID. We can be really creative around the things that, um, that concern worship outside of the church. COVID has truly driven us out of the, the sanctuary. Yes. And, and that's a wonderful thing. It really, I mean, we've just been so, our, our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears have been so fixed on the inside of that building. COVID has driven us out of the building. Thanks be to God. Amen. And reminded us we're the church. That's not, right. Not the building. That's right. And that's what discipleship making is all about. It really is uh, the ways in which I think Jesus intended for us to operate in making disciples. So we're we're saying to you, be be creative, be as creative uh, as you are, the folk that you are. We we know that there are all kinds of ideas circling around your uh, faith community. What are some of those ideas that really translate into uh, a season like, like Advent? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think we're also saying be joyful, mm-hmm. be confident, and yet and yet let's be honest. You know there there is mourning to be done. Yeah. There is sadness that is there, and I think um, I know Diana. You you've spoken about the blue Christmas experience a, a few times, and and I don't know if you want to share some of your experience about that, but I think that's one way of of being honest about how troubled the world is. Right. Our first week in our Advent series says, this place is a mess. Mm-hmm. We're admitting things are broken, things are in trouble, and, and we need to do that. And so, so let's be honest about that too, even as we are dominated by our confidence and our joy. But, but how do we capture that, that sense of mourning or that sense of sadness in the midst mm-hmm. of that? Right. And yes, uh, I would like to lift up a couple of special services and talk a little bit about music, too. And I know Cynthia and and Derek can chime in uh, from their experiences. But but as Derek mentioned, the Blue Christmas service, it's a beautiful service that's usually done around December 21st, which is the shortest day of the year or the longest night. It's also called the longest night service. Mm -hmm. And it does remind us that in every Christmas season, every Advent season, there are people that are suffering. There are people who are mourning. Uh, for them, it might be the first time that a loved one is going to be present. And um, so it is It is a time of sadness and uh, for many people. So having a worship service 
that allows them to bring that to the altar, if you will, um, mm -hmm. whether it's virtual or, or uh, in person, um, helps unburden them and helps the whole church community reflect on the fact that as a family, we have to help walk with these folks who are hurting even while we're also celebrating the joy of the season. So it, it, like we were saying that it's messy. Advent is a messy time. We have to own it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think so, too, one thing to be aware of is wherever I was and did the longest night or blue Christmas services, they were never overwhelmingly attended. And, no. and, and that causes a lot of pastors and leaders to say, well, maybe we shouldn't do it. But I, I still think that the few that are there change yeah. the atmosphere for the whole yes. congregation. Yes. They are worth doing, even if not very many come. Because yes. it does add that element, that extra experience and emotion. Yeah. yeah. And we all grow in it and grow in our faith and in our understanding and our compassion. Um, and so, yes, I, I would, I would uh, ask everyone to consider that Blue Christmas service we have resources on our website at discipleship ministries i've looked there myself as i developed one uh, a service of like this a few years back mm -hmm. um other of course other special services are uh centered around music and many times um i can't tell you how many years in a row i'd hear the the pastor said to me, okay, well, this year, what's the Christmas cantata going to be? <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, Christmas cantata, that's right. We have a whole service dedicated to the storytelling, to telling this story from the prophecy to the incarnation. And so um, what are we going to do this year that maybe we are not going to have a choir in the, in the choir loft? Most likely not. Um, what, how are we going to tell the story, whether it's a Christmas cantata, which is kind of a, a way we used to talk about it, uh, my, certainly when I was growing up, but then for many people now, they call it lessons and carols, and it's the same idea. There's scripture, and then there's, there's a song, a reflection, either a carol that the congregation might sing, or that the um, choir might share as in the form of an anthem or a solo. It's that back and forth, hearing the the scripture and then having a response. Um, so what are we going to do this year when we don't have a choir in residence? So I, uh, some of the ideas that I think um, I've lifted up certainly that are on the website is uh, finding a way to have small groups pre-record some of these parts of it, having more solos, perhaps if you've got the resources in terms of personnel to do a virtual choir video, that might be a really good way to have one of the pieces taken care of that way. Um, I've used the Lessons in Carols format for many years, and it's basically five parts to it. It's nine if you use the, the one from Great Britain, but I pared it down to five. So thinking in terms of five, okay, well, that's not so hard to do. Singing a solo here or a duet there um, in, in response to the scripture reading. Having different people read the scriptures. Uh, the Lessons and Carols format starts with the child reading the, the prophecy and then goes to a youth reading the, the um, Gabriel uh, Annunciation to Mary. 
and, and then works its way all the way up to the bishop, if you have a bishop in residence or the senior pastor. Um, so those are just some ways. To, it's not daunting, um, but think about how you're going to make it happen this year that um, is inviting, is nourishing, and yet also brings a, an, a, a sense of familiarity as we talk about this worship series, too. Derek and Cynthia, do y'all have any thoughts? Well, my, my first thought is the first thing you have to do as you enter into the Advent season is take the phrase, we've never done it that way, off the table. <laughs> can't say Amen. that this year because nothing we've done, we've right. ever done before. So everything yeah. is different. So just assume it's going to be different, even as, as Diana was just saying, there are ways to capture the tradition. There are ways to remember you know, the way we've done it before, uh, mm -hmm. but it's going to be different this year. Let's just admit that and, and go from there. I would, I'm thinking a lot right now about our amazing AV tech person who is actually a part of each of our podcasts. You just don't get to hear him, but, but Blake and, and his lovely wife are in the process of waiting for a, a little bambino uh, to come and, and join their, in, in their midst. And I, I was just thinking about how, as I listen to him, his voice is so different as he talks about anything, because in the background is the thought that their home is about to be different. Their home is about to be uh, brought, riddled with a, the joy of new life. I wonder if there might be uh, the... And the um, tendency in your various homes, as well as your faith community, uh, to just get excited about how it is that you introduce the story, how you tell the story to um, the persons who surround your, your building, the persons who surround your home life, the persons who you see in the grocery store. How, how will you be the story? I, I just pray that we can move beyond, as Derek has said, we can move beyond the thing that we have always done. I wonder if we could just move into a new dispensation uh, that really will get other folks as excited as we are about what's getting ready to happen and who will we be in the midst of this thing that's getting ready to happen. So music, yes, absolutely, Diana. Uh, and there are new songs, you know, there are other songs. One of the other things that we have to remember uh, in this season is that there are other celebrations going on. Charles Wesley's birthday, I think, is the 18th of December. <laughs> uh, so, so, of course, there are many uh, texts uh, and, and tunes in uh, the hymnal that, that can be utilized for something other than singing. They might become prayers. They might mm -hmm. become litanies. Uh, but there are other ways to, to introduce this rich legacy of music. And then Hanukkah is also a part of this season. I'm sure that there might be uh, persons around your community and around your community from the Jewish community that you might consider uh, joining with or talking, at least talking about what it means to be in celebration 
of the season of Hanukkah. And then, of course, right after uh, the, the last candle is lit, we move into a season of uh, what the African-American community calls Kwanzaa. And the season of Kwanzaa involves candle lighting as well. So there's just a lot of other things that we can uh, include and not feel that we are bound by the things that we cannot do. Uh, what about if we think about those things that we've missed out on uh, because we've been, been busy doing the things that we've always done? Mm-hmm. That's very true. Well, and you know, we're talking about Advent and um, it leading up to Christmas Eve, which is a high holy day for all of us mm-hmm. and how we go into church and and end up with everyone lighting a candle. And I know we're all thinking about how are we going to do that this year? How is that going to happen? Our family's going to be lighting candles and standing around the television set, um, watching online. Um, so do you all have any, have you started to imagine how that can happen um, this year? Well, there, there, are, there are several ways to do it. I was thinking that um, October, everybody's figuring out how are we going to trick-or-treat, right? Yes. <laughs> and then we get to November. How are we going to, to travel to see our loved ones? How are we going to make that happen? And then we move into the Advent season or the time of hanging the greens. How are we going to, uh, since we can't go into the sanctuary, how are we going to do that? You can hang. I mean, there there are just ways I know for sure in various contexts and in various communities uh, that if people came together and talked about what we have, what is it that we have that that can make this, this season still precious to us? The first thing we have is each other. Right? Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. each other. And so how is it that we make sure that we don't leave anyone out who has been missing from the celebration, go get that person, those persons. Why haven't the children been conspicuously present in the celebration? Make sure that they're there this time. Um, what is it that we can uh, say to the person who uh, does the dry cleaning? Uh, how can how is it that they might be a part of um, this this celebration of, of Advent and and that be meaningful? For them. Yes, yes, definitely. The first thing we have, sorry to contradict you, Cynthia, the first thing we have is the story. And because we have the story, then we have each other and it goes from there. Mm-hmm. So I so I guess as you're planning, what I would recommend is that you think about how you read a story. There, there are different ways to read a story. One is to curl in yourself and just mm-hmm. focus on it for yourself. The other is to lean back so that someone can look over your shoulder and read with you. Mm. What we're asking, I think, this year is how can our churches celebrate Advent in a way that allows people to look over their shoulder, to experience what they're experiencing, to be present, whether they come to the church or log in online or or just get this sense at the dry cleaners, at the grocery stores, at the restaurants that we decide to do takeout from or, or whatever we do. Yeah, yeah. How can we communicate that word? How can we share that story? Maybe not by reading the whole story, telling the whole story, but by sharing the experience, the anticipation and the joy and the confidence that we have because we have this story 
that unites us and gives us a sense of belonging and community. And it's from that that we celebrate. So again, folks, what are we saying? We're saying that we are called to live the story, not just to remember it as it is actually written in scripture or in the script for uh, the, the uh, cantata. Don't, you really don't need to write a new script uh, because we actually walk the story. We walk it out. If, if we are true to ourselves as children of the Most High God, we walk it out. And we don't always just walk it out in December. Hopefully, December will be just that time when we begin again to walk it out and see what's up ahead, see exactly what's waiting for us. I'm excited, Derek. I agree with you. The last thing we ought to be is fearful. What right now, we, what we ought to be is excited. I cannot wait to see what's next because I promise you, as we emerge from 2020, I'll be doing a, a, a dance. I'll be doing it. <laughs> I never want to see 2020 again. I don't even want to see two $20 bills. I just want to emerge from this season, this dank, uh, just uh, joy, joyless season into what this new thing is that God is about to do. Get excited, friends, and one and figure out what it is. And just let your prayer be, God, whatever it is you're up to, I want to be a part of it. Amen. 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 I, think, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good place to end. What do you all think? Amen. Amen. <laughs> we, we are so glad that you joined us today. And we sure do hope that this has been helpful to you. Remember that. Uh, you can find more information in these conversations. And Derek has mentioned several times uh, the series that are on the website. Now you really want to go and take a look at those. I think you'll find them fascinating. And I think you'll find some new ideas uh, as to how it is that you move into these high holy seasons. Right at our website, you'll find them at umcdiscipleship.org. Again, that's umc discipleship.org. And until the next time, we want you to be safe and we want you to be well. We're going to be praying for you and with you and your congregations. And may God continue to bless you, your worship ministry, as you continue to make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.